I like the results of discipline. I don't like the experience of discipline. It doesn't matter what side of the discipline I'm on. But um, if we are loving a loving church that's concerned about helping people grow, um, then we will be involved in various levels of uh, various in church discipline in various times. Um, and so let me talk a little bit about that today, kind of reviewing what we've talked about, uh, um, what I talked about in my previous sermon. Um, first, uh, take responsibility for discipline if God has placed it in your path. The easiest thing is just to look the other way, to just tolerate the sin and think, well, it's not my responsibility. Um, but sin tolerated becomes sin embraced. Um, the, um, uh, but when we confront it, God can use it, can use us to bring healing. The goal is salvation, eternal salvation, but salvation always also needs to be made whole. You know, somebody who's, um, in, who's, who is, Tolerating sin in their own lives is not whole. They're not at peace with God. They're not at peace with themselves. If the Holy Spirit is within them, they're in turmoil. And so you're trying to work in a way that they can be at peace with God and at peace with themselves. Paul says, make the issue between, help them understand the issue is not between you. It's not personal between you and me. It's between you and God. And then he says, hand the person over to Satan for instruction. Allow that person to experience the natural consequences of their behavior. Next, then, is intentional isolation. Um, this is for the, the Christian. Then th there may come a time when you have to say, sorry, you're just, you're not going to be welcome in this small group. You're not going to be welcome in, to serve in this, uh, in this capacity anymore. You know, we, we, we need you to really take this seriously. We, we just beg you to repent and change, and we want to help you every step of the way. Because the goal is, is complete restoration. Um, this is where Paul is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where we read last week. Now, here's the question. What does, this is what I was getting to, what does repentance look like? You know, we're supposed to, Paul says we're supposed to forgive and comfort that person. Um, if I can go back to 2 Corinthians 2, 6. The punishment of the majority has been sufficient on that person. They exercised um, uh, church discipline at the, at the highest level. As a result, he says, now you should for, instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Now, here's the question that I didn't have time to address uh, in our message. What? How do you know somebody's genuinely repentant? You know, the cynic's going to say, oh, they haven't really repented. They're just wanting to you know, get back into the good graces or something like that. They just want to, they're just manipulating. Jesus says in Luke chapter three, verse eight, produce fruit consistent with repentance. Fruit consistent with repentance. What does repentance look like? First of all, repentance means conviction. I was wrong. Somebody genuinely taking ownership. What I did was wrong. Not what I did was wrong, but... You know, what I did was wrong, but everybody's weak. What I did was wrong, but I was 
you know, had this extenuating circumstance. No, I was wrong. Some of those things, may, side things may be true. Doesn't matter. Will you own you were wrong? That's contrition. Second then is, I'm sorry, that's conviction. The second then is contrition. I genuinely regret the pain that I have caused others. This is where empathy comes in the person. They're not repenting just because they've gotten caught and they and they want to get back what they've lost. They're repenting because they're identifying with the hurt that they've caused in others. And they genuinely are saying, I deeply regret the pain that I caused. I deep, this is the prodigal when he comes home. He comes home and he's wanting to apologize to the dad. Dad, I've sinned against you. I'm so sorry. That's, that's contrition. David wrote in Psalm 51 verse three, I'm conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. The sacrifice is pleasing to God. The sacrifice is a broken spirit. A, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. Um, somebody has said that um, God loves the bent knee and the wet eye. It's really hard for God to save the strutter, the dry-eyed person who doesn't have contrition. It is hard to forgive an entitled spirit. Hey, you deserve to forgive. I, I deserve to be forgiven. Hey, I've done this. Why aren't you forgiving me? You know, repentant people, by the way, don't just find another church. That's one of the things that often people do who, who don't really want to repent. Maybe they feel bad for what they've done. Maybe they feel embarrassed for what they've done. And they've had hard conversations with people in the church who've held them accountable and rather than making things right with those people, rather than finding healing and restoring those relationships, they'll just go to another church and start thinking, oh, I'll just start over someplace else. Well, you can do that, but you will always have unfinished business and that's not God's best. You show regret and make amends to the people that you've hurt. You seek restoration. Then final word is change. The, 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 the prodigal son said, I want to go home and serve. When he was home last time, he was entitled. He wanted to be given to. But now that he's repented and, and been broken, he says, I just want to go back home and be a servant in my dad's house. I want to be under dad's authority. It's a humble spirit that he has. Uh, I heard about a man who woke up one morning deeply sorrowful because he had had a bitter fight with his night, wife the night before. He went downstairs and he noticed a crate of, of beer bottles that he said caused the fight. He knew. Angry at himself, he took those beer bottles outside and started smashing them one at the time, one at a time. He picked up an empty beer bottle and fumed. He said, you're the reason I fight with my wife. He picked up another empty beer bottle and, and, and again, he just exasperated, breaks it on the, on, the, on the ground and he says, you're the reason I don't love my children as I should. Takes another, a third empty beer bottle and he smashes it on the ground. He says, you're the reason I can't hold down a job. Picks up a fourth bottle, but this one's full. The cap is still on it. He starts to throw it down and then he pauses and he looks at it for a second. He says, you didn't have anything to do with this. I'm going to put you to the side for now. Okay. That's not genuine repentance. You know, the genuine repentant person says, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. 
I'm going to get it out of my life and change. 180 degrees change. Zacchaeus changed from being a greedy tax collector to a generous giver. John changed from being a son of thunder, angry and judgmental, to being known as the apostle of love. Peter changed from being this vacillating, unpredictable, impetuous man to being a rock that people could depend on. People knew where he stood and that he'd always stand. Paul changed from persecuting the church to building the church. And the good news is you and I can change as well. By the power of God, we repent, we regret what we've done, and we say, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me down right paths for his namesake. And then it's the responsibility of the church to forgive because God is a forgiving God and grace changes us. I didn't have the time to read this um, in Psalms, Psalm 103. Listen to what it says about how God deals with our sins. He forgives all your iniquity. He redeems your life from the pit. Verse eight, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Isn't that good news? Or he paid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his, faith, is his faithful love toward those who fear him. I love, that. I love that verse because I think about the strongest satellites that we have, the strongest telescopes that we have, have yet to get close to the expanse of the heavens. Even with all of our technology, we can't get to the end of the expanse of the heavens. How great is God's love for you and me? As high as the heavens are above the earth, it can't be measured. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. North and south can be measured. They come to a point where they end and you're no longer going north or you're no longer going south. But east and west never meet. They just keep going. When God removes our sins, he removes them completely. They're gone forever. Worldly people think that people change because of legalism, because of shame. Worldly people feel like if I'm, if I'm nice to this person, then maybe they won't change. That's manipulative. You know, that's kind of like I, we, uh, we think their change is not because God is working in them, but because we're manipulating them. We got to trust God. There's nothing much more self-righteous than tearing down other people because of their past so that we can feel morally superior. Nothing more intolerant than giving people the cold shoulder and refusing to forgive, thinking that'll teach them. No one is ever changed by legalism. The Bible says that the law was good but it never made anybody perfect. It just shows us how sinful we are, but we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And grace saves us completely. And so Paul says, forgive and comfort him. Otherwise he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. 
So be ready to forgive, be ready to give grace because that's what God does for us. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, um, help us to be wise in church discipline. Um, to be wise, it's, 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 sometimes it's hard to tell if somebody has genuinely repented. Sometimes You said in, in your word, it says that sometimes people um, don't really repent. They're just, they, there's, a, there's a sadness that leads to death because it's just a sadness of being caught. It's a sadness just of the consequences. It's not a sadness for having uh, sinned against you or hurt other people. Um, so help us be wise as we discern and try to help people um, who are repenting, but then help us to be gracious and to take the risk and to trust you. And um, Lord, I thank you that you have taken the risk with us. Um, Lord, if you treated us the way that we deserve, you know, we would have been wiped out a long time ago. But I thank you that you're a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And you're always working for our um, peace with you. So help us, Lord, to work toward that end with others as well. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Next time I won't be talking about church discipline. So you can be thankful. See you then.